Peace be upon you. God willing, in this episode, we're going to discuss intoxicants and some of the current claims that some individuals are making that intoxicants are not prohibited and are actually permitted by the Quran. And we want to see the two arguments that are predominantly made and how these are completely erroneous. The first argument that individuals make to claim that intoxicants are not prohibited in the Quran comes from Surah 4 verse 43. It reads, O you who believe, do not observe the contact per salat while intoxicated, so that you know what you are saying. The extrapolation that individuals make is that they claim that since it says do not be intoxicated while you're uh, performing your salat, therefore you can be intoxicated when you're not performing your salat. So that's the first argument. The second argument comes from Surah 47 verse 15, where God describes paradise as having rivers of wine. And the question is, why would God describe rivers of wine if wine is prohibited? So God willing, in this episode, we're going to address both these arguments. So let's start back with Surah 4 verse 43, where it reads, O you who believe, do not observe the contact per salat while intoxicated, so that you know what you are saying. Now, if someone is going to read this and extrapolate that one can be intoxicated when they're not performing their salat, Obviously, they're extrapolating erroneous information because that is not what the verse says. The verse specifically just says that one is not allowed to be intoxicated while performing the Salat. This does not give the green light that you can be intoxicated when you're not performing the Salat. And proof of this comes in the immediate next verse. In the immediate next verse, in Surah 4 verse 44, it reads, Have you noted those who received a portion of the scripture? and how they choose to stray and wish that you stray from the path. These individuals read this one portion of a verse, and from that they make an erroneous extrapolation, and they say, therefore, you can be intoxicated when you're not performing your salat. But this is a psychology that God utilizes in the Quran. God begins with where a person is and works with them to get them to where they need to be. That ultimately, if you apply all 6,234 verses of the Quran, what would one would come to the realization that absolutely they should refrain from any form of intoxicants. And the strongest injunction against intoxicants in the entire Quran, it uses one of the strongest commandments against a form of sin. It is in Surah 5 verse 90. It reads, O you who believe, intoxicants and gambling and the altars of idols and the games of chance are abominations of the devil. You shall avoid them that you may succeed. Notice God does not say do not consume these. God says you shall avoid them. This is some of the strongest language against uh, refraining from sin that God dictates throughout the Quran. Now, one of the arguments that people make, they say that, oh no, this is only the abominations of the devil or the altars of idols that are prohibited and this does not constitute intoxicants and gambling. That they're saying that you shall avoid them only applies to those. And one of the arguments towards that is that in the Arabic, when we translate as you shall avoid them, the them is plural, the Arabic is fachtani buhu as opposed to fachtani buhum. If it was buhum, they say that then that's plural, but because it's who, it's singular. But what they don't understand is that the whom 
Halmim is only used in the context of human beings or individuals, that always when you're talking about inanimate things or uh, ideas, that the singular form is used. And this is how it is done throughout the entire Quran. Another way you can understand this too is that these are all fall under the abominations of the devil. That intoxicants, gambling, the altars of idols, the games of chance are all abominations of the devil. And God is informing us that we shall avoid the abominations of the devil if we want to be successful. So either way you look at it, God is prohibiting all these. And further evidence of this is if you just, again, look one verse ahead in Surah 5 verse 91, that God is clearly specifying that it's this entire category and not just the altars of idols and not just the abominations of the devil. In 591 it reads, The devil wants to provoke animosity and hatred among you through intoxicants and gambling and to distract you from remembering God and from observing the contact person a lot, will you then refrain? Notice that God is telling us that he's lumping these together, that uh, these are the tools of the devil, that gambling, the intoxicants, and obviously the altars of idols, that these are all lumped together, that we shall avoid them. And God is asking us, will you refrain? Now, who in the right mind who believes in the Quran is going to tolerate a little bit of idol worship, is going to say, you know what, I'm going to approach this altar of an idol. We know full well that these are strictly prohibited in the religion. Now, if God is equating intoxicants and gambling in that same category, who in the right mind is going to say that, no, it's lawful to consume these, uh, these substances. It's okay to partake in them. This is completely erroneous. God is, again, using some of the strongest language to tell us to stay away from these items. And it's more than saying don't consume them. God is saying to avoid them. And we see similar language uh, used towards Adam when he was in paradise. In Surah 2, verse 35, it said, We said, O Adam, live with your wife in paradise and eat therefrom generously as you please. But do not approach this tree lest you sin. Now, sticklers who are going to claim that, oh, God did not say that the tree is prohibited, therefore Adam is allowed to not only approach the tree, God didn't tell him he couldn't eat from it. Uh, it's completely absurd. God is telling Adam, do not approach it. So when Adam not only approached it, but he ate from the, the, the tree, clearly he committed a gross sin. Now, who's going to say that, oh, no, he didn't commit a sin because God told him just to not approach it. He didn't say anything about eating it. And God is doing the same thing for us towards intoxicants, that God is telling us to avoid them. Now, someone who's going to say and make an argument that, oh, yeah, that just means avoid them, but you can consume it, is completely contradicting the spirit of the Quran. Now, consistently in the Quran, when God uses the word hijtanibu, in the, uh, the word avoidance, it's always towards the gross sins. These are not the trivial matters that God, again, is equating alcohol, intoxicants, in the same category as the gross sins. And we see this, for instance, in Surah 42, verse 37. Uh, it reads, uh, it's talking about the righteous, it says, they avoid gross sins and vice. That this is the criteria of the righteous. That God is using the same word uh, to avoid towards gross sins and vice. And we see it again in Surah 53, verse 32. It reads, they avoid gross sins and transgressions, except for minor offenses. Your Lord's forgiveness is immense. 
So God is using the, the same word for avoidance towards the gross sins, further strengthening this argument that it's not just that we don't consume intoxicants. God is telling us to avoid them for our own good. And this is the criteria that's necessary in order to be successful. So just to recap this point, God calls intoxicants as abominations of the devil and tells us to avoid them, that God uh, tells us that Satan uses these to distract us from God's path, and that if we want to be successful, we would avoid them for our own good. That to say that it's okay to consume intoxicants is like saying that it was okay for Adam to consume from the tree. Obviously, if we know for a fact that it was wrong for Adam to approach that tree and ultimately eat from it, that it would be just as wrong for us to break God's commandments and approach intoxicants and consume them. So let's look at the other argument regarding the rivers of wine in paradise. So in Surah 47, verse uh, 15, we read, um, it says, The allegory of paradise that is promised for the righteous is this. It has rivers of unpolluted water and rivers of fresh milk and rivers of wine delicious for the drinkers and rivers of strained honey. So individuals, again, they look at this verse, they say, why would God describe rivers of wine if intoxicants are prohibited? So let's break this down. First point, we have to realize that intoxicants and specifically being intoxicated is prohibited. Wine itself is not prohibited if the wine is not intoxicating. For instance, you can go and get 0.0% beer. And that's perfectly lawful to drink, despite the fact that it's beer, because the intoxicating factor has been removed from the substance, it becomes lawful to consume. And similarly, if the wine is non-intoxicating, therefore it's fine for us to drink. So what is the argument to make that to show that this wine is not intoxicating? What's interesting is when you look at the Arabic, that it's in discussion to the rivers of wine, it says delicious for the drinkers. The word in Arabic for delicious is lezzat. Lezzat means sweet. Now, the question is, what does sweet wine signify? This is a commonly known thing since the ancients, that if wine is sweet, it is not intoxicating. Because to create intoxicating wine, it requires the yeast to convert sugar to ethanol. If the sugar is never converted to ethanol, therefore the wine will never be intoxicating. And when God describes the wine as lezzat, as in sweet and delicious, it's inferring to the reader to realize that this wine is not intoxicating. And again, this was known since the time of the ancients. As early as 160 BC, we have the writings of Cato in the Treatise of Agriculture, where he states, if you wish to keep new wine sweet the whole year round, put new wine in a jar, cover the stopper with a pitch, place the jar in a fish pond, take it out after the 13th day, you'll have sweet wine all year round. And this is a known fact that many individuals in the past, when they would drink wine, they would intentionally not allow it to become intoxicating because of the impact it has on one's mind that this was a safe way for them to have a delicious beverage that was safe to drink and non-intoxicating. And this is what God is describing when he says rivers of wine that are sweet. 
because wine that is not sweet is the intoxicating factor, but wines that are sweet are the ones that are not intoxicating. Now, in addition, there's another point to be made here. All descriptions of heaven and hell are all purely allegorical. There's not literally rivers. There's not literally spouses and, uh, you know, servants and these kind of uh, uh, aspects. These are descriptions that God is deploying for us to try to grasp just how beautiful and how amazing paradise is. And this is clear because the, the verse starts, it says the allegory of paradise is that his promise for the righteous is this. So God is describing these through allegorical terms, giving us worldly descriptions for us to try to grasp just how beautiful, how amazing heaven is. And the best de depiction of this is in Surah 2 verse 25. It says, give good news to those who believe and lead a righteous life, that they will have gardens with flowing streams. When provided with a provision of fruits therein, they will say, this is what was provided for us previously. Thus, they are given allegorical descriptions. They will have pure spouses therein and abide therein forever. That these descriptions of heaven and of hell are purely allegorical. But nevertheless, even these allegorical descriptions, God is inferring to us that the drinks are never polluted. They're never intoxicating. So we saw that God is describing the wine as sweet, insinuating that this is not intoxicating. But there's additional verses that clarify this point. For instance, in Surah 52, verse 23, where it's describing paradise, it reads, they will enjoy drinks that are never polluted and never sinful to drink. So God is again inferring to us, letting us know that the drinks in paradise are never going to be uh, polluted and never going to be sinful for us to drink. Uh, we see in another verse, in Surah 56, um, starting from verse 17 to 19, it reads, serving them will be immortal servants with cups, pitchers, and pure drinks. They never run out, nor do they get bored. So this concept of pure drinks in this verse is, it uses the word ma'in, which means a spring. So some people say, well, look, this is just in regards to spring. But what's interesting is in verse 19, it says they never run out, nor do they get bored. The Arabic here, if we actually look at what it says, it says not la, uh, they suffer a headache. And it says yosaduna. Uh, this means to have a headache, and I'm inferring this as in a hangover, uh, anha, from it, wella, and not, yonzifuna, which means they will be deprived of intellectual faculties, which is, again, translated as they won't be bored, that these individuals, they won't have any hangovers from it, that they will not be deprived of intellectual faculties by consuming these drinks in paradise. And this, again, further reinforces that these rivers of wine are not intoxicating, and we see the same word used in Surah 37, verse 47, where again, it says never polluted and never exhausted. And we see the word yonsifuna, which uh, implies someone who's deprived of intellectual faculties. So let's go towards one other argument that's made. A lot of people are saying, look, for medicinal reasons, uh, it warrants using uh, uh, intoxicants because of those medicinal reasons. Now, the question is, does it cause an intoxicating factor? Because, for instance, CBD oils all the rage. But if you could have, for instance, the benefits of uh, marijuana or CBD without the intoxicating factor is no different than drinking uh, beer without any alcohol in it. 
If that's the case, it's perfectly lawful. But for this argument that's being made that no, with the intoxicating factor, there is some benefits for it, God acknowledges this in the Quran, but God still gives us a very strict warning. In Surah 2 verse 219, it reads, they ask you about intoxicants and gambling. Say, in them there is a gross sin and some benefits for the people, but their sinfulness far outweighs their benefit. So God is informing us, despite these benefits that we get from both intoxicants and gambling, that their sinfulness far outweighs their benefit, that God is equating them again to a gross sin. And one of the traits of the righteous is that we avoid gross sins. So when God tells us that we need to avoid these in order for us to be successful, that if we don't do this, then we won't be taking heed to God's commandments and we'd be following another source beside that of God. We'd be following our own opinions. And to equate, to say that, yes, you can consume intoxicants, again, because God did not specifically say that they are prohibited, is like someone who makes the argument that Adam did not commit a sin by eating from the tree because God did not tell him that he can't eat from the tree. He just said, look, don't approach this tree. Now, that is a flat-out ridiculous argument from the surface, no different than those who are trying to claim that intoxicants and consuming them when you're not doing your salat is perfectly lawful. I think at this point, if anyone wants to make the argument that, yeah, you can still consume intoxicants, that they're not prohibited, uh, that um, they're, they're lawful to consume, uh, that as long as you're not doing your salat, in essence, is just tricking themselves. Uh, God warns us of hypocrites who think that they're deceiving God, but they're only deceiving themselves without realizing it. Let's not fall into that trap. Let's look at these things objectively. If God tells us to avoid something for our own good, let's not try to find justification to justify what God is claiming is a gross sin. God willing, we're going to end there. If you got comments or questions, please hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to follow along the verses of the Quran and see these uh, the Arabic word-for-word -word translation for yourself, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store or go to QuranStudyApp.com. And if you guys like the podcast, please share it, leave us a review. And until next time, peace and God bless.